Hello and welcome back to the lecture series with Reb T, which we try to do in a bi-weekly basis. This year where we talk a topic per session with some practical lessons. Tonight's topic is the heart of art. Sources are from safari.org and elsewhere. Usually noted, unless noted otherwise. Look out for the points to carry over to take with you, hopefully, from the shear at the end. All shirim are on shearenjoyment.com slash shiurim slash shiurim dash reb dash team. Shout out to Jake W. and Ellie N. for all their amazing hard work on sheer enjoyment. The lecture series, the PAL, which just finished, and now we're on summer hiatus. The audio DT and OT, OT talk show, which we're almost about to finish for the season, God willing, are on different podcast forums especially on Google and iTunes and the like, while the audio DDD DAF show is on sheer enjoyment itself. If you have any feedback, any questions, any comments, any suggestions, any topic ideas or just want to reach out, please feel free to email me anytime at rebt at sheerenjoyment.com, R-E-B-T, at S-H-I-U-R-E-N-J-O-Y-M-E-N-T.com. The shear should serve as a zechus and yeshua refuah for anyone sick or needing a yeshua or refuah, especially those with any sickness, any illness, any machala, any condition or any salvation needed. May everyone be healed completely bekarov. In the traditional sense of the word, I am not an artist. Yes, I have always loved doodling, drawing, coloring, cutting, pacing, especially as an OT in the past years when I became an OT, but I am by no means a true, real, quote-unquote, artist. However, artistry goes beyond the paintbrush when we use our creativity to bring beauty and different things given to the world that might be art in and of itself. Art is when we use creative expression to bring elements to the world. Wikipedia itself defines art as a diverse range of products of human activities involving creative imagination to express technical proficiency, beauty, emotional power, or conceptual ideas. There is no generally agreed definition of what constitutes art. Ideas have changed over time. The three classical branches of visual art are painting, sculpture, and architecture, but theater, dance, and other performing arts, as well as literature, music, film, and other media, such as interactive media, are included in a broader definition of the arts. Until the 17th century, art referred to any skill or mastery and was not differentiated from crafts or sciences. In modern usage after the 17th century, where aesthetic considerations are paramount, the fine arts are separated and distinguished from acquired skills in general, such as the decorative or applied arts. The nature of art and related concepts, such as creativity and interpretation, are explored in a branch of philosophy known as aesthetics. The resulting artworks are studied in the professional fields of art criticism and the history of art. As a side note, YU, I went to Yeshiva University of College. I had a fantastic experience, a wonderful time there. And we had to take different courses, different, you know, core requirements. And we could have taken music, we could have taken art. I chose to take the history of art. I even remember my professor back in the day, John Hogan, not such an old guy, but um, very interesting class. And he had us, you know, he would teach us different paintings and their names and and uh, who made them. And the final, I still remember the final to this day, he, he like flashed 50 different paintings throughout 
like a um a rotating sequence and we had to remember them so for the for studying for the final and for me studying i have to have complete quiet i can't have any noise in the background my wife is the opposite she needs noise but i myself used to lock myself away for hours in my dorm room and and uh, or or growing up in my house or once we we're married in, in one of the rooms I can't have the the distraction for example so when studying for art I had to look at the picture remember the name remember the artist and remember when it came from so the the final we had these 50 pictures and then the the second part of the test was either two or three like compare and contrast pictures and talk about what you see what's what's the same and what's different and it was a very interesting final. At the time, I was annoyed. But looking back, I think it was actually a good way for us to understand the art, understand the history, and appreciate the art, and, and go through what we can see, what we could glean from art. Because when we look at art, when we're involved in art, it's not just that we're seeing something that's visually you know, pleasing or aesthetically pleasing, especially we see a beautiful forest or, or a lake or whatnot. It actually can bring out different things. Art really has different roles and different applications and can be expressed in different ways. LinkedIn points out, art can be beneficial for improved creativity, improved memory, improved communication skills, improved problem solving skills, stress relief, more positive emotions, release of hidden emotions or feelings, increase of emotional intelligence, improving the senses, better mobility, and you become more aware of the details. So the benefits of art really abound, especially for kids. Art, as well as craft, is a wonderful, the crafts is a wonderful medium and gives many benefits. You know, you think about the arts, you think about how things sometimes over time, they wanted to fund art, they wanted to fund music, but really it's a wonderful things for wonderful thing for kids. It's really wonderful aspects for kids. And I feel guilty a lot of times when working in person, having to remove a kid from art, sometimes I'll actually push in its call instead of pull out and join them because art is so fascinating and wonderful. We remember, we need to remember that for kids, for children, the main occupation, their main aspect, the main foundation of their life is play. Too often in academia, too often in the public school, even too often in private school in yeshiva, we're too focused on the numbers. We're too focused on their grades. We're too focused on the tests and retaining the material. But what about actually learning through play? What about actually letting them play? Being involved in play, letting them be kids. You only get to be a kid once. You know, we're not going to remember at 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 if we knew the fraction, we knew the decimal. But we'll remember if we had a great teacher that let us build volcanoes. We had a great teacher that let us experiment with Play-Doh. We had a great teacher that let us paint and, 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 and draw. Those are the classes a lot of people can excel in. There, there are multiple intelligences and multiple ways to, to go about honing your system and to be a smart person. I think Howard Gardner was the person that coined the multiple intelligences. I think he coined about eight of them. There's musical intelligence and art intelligence, among many others. Art is a form and music is a form to bring creativity to mind. Someone might be very bad with numbers. Someone might be very bad with science, but might be fantastic with crafts and might be fantastic with art. And for that person, that could be their calling, that could be their job, and that could be how they bring in the money, that could be how they focus on what their mission is, what their purpose is. Red Tri, which is a great website for parents of kids, for activities and different things and the like, explains on redtri.com, R-E-D-T-R-I.com, 
what is the benefit of art? What is so good for art for kids? For example, it improves their coordination and fine motor skills. I can't tell you how often I use art as a medium in occupational therapy. As an occupational therapist, I work for the DOE, the Department of Education, especially in public school, especially in elementary school. My school currently is a K-5 to school, meaning at kindergarten when they come in at 5 till 5th grade when they're about 10. Most of the sessions, I will do something art-related. A lot of times, we'll do you know drawing, we'll do cutting, we'll do coloring, writing. If we do a game or a sheet, or we let them use Lego or the like and write about it, or we let them build something or the like, or we let them aspect, we let them use different aspects. Excuse me. Or if we use Play-Doh, any of those different things, letting them have a wonderful experience, especially to work on fine motor skills to get those thumbs, those pointers, and the middle fingers involved. Those are the key three fingers to be involved, especially for writing, especially for cutting, especially for involving in fine motor work. Arts and crafts usually require kids to use both hands in a certain manner. That's called bilateral coordination, getting both parts of the body involved, which can help them develop the fine motor skills and bilateral coordination that they so need. For example, drawing dots and lines, cutting with scissors, and even simply tearing a piece of paper or crumbling a piece of paper really fine-tunes the small, fine muscles of the hands. And they're quite demanding tasks in terms of dexterity, and kids enjoy doing them. This can help them develop faster and become more skilled in other daily activities, such as tying their shoes, dressing, using kitchenware, and so many other aspects, especially in occupational therapy, that we help kids be, and everyone, adults and everyone in general, be as independent and as functional as possible in all aspects of their life. But art also helps kids to express themselves. Kids tend to be very visual about everything that happens around them. They generally absorb a lot of information every day. However, there will always be kids who are naturally shyer and not that comfortable with expressing themselves in words. Those kids may look for different, more visual ways to express their emotions and thoughts, and arts and crafts can give them what they need. Again, it also can fine-tune that intelligence that might fall by the wayside in terms of math or science, but might shine bright in arts and crafts. It's a safe environment to express those emotions and thoughts. They can control and shape in any way they want by using any materials they like. This is why parents might get a better insight into how their child is feeling or what they are thinking by encouraging them to participate in arts and crafts activities. Art is also fantastic, especially for kids because it makes them more creative and productive. There are no limits to children's imagination, and arts and crafts are a great way for them to turn that endless imagination into something more productive. There are many materials, many colors, many shapes, many activities they can choose, which allows children to explore different options and pick those that they find the most enjoyable. And who knows? They might even discover a fun hobby like drawing or doodling that can later become a lucrative career like graphic design. Art also helps kids to develop other skills. Young kids usually begin by using pens, by scribbling random things. However, the thing is, the more they scribble, the better they will be at controlling the pen and their movements across the paper. Very, very true, coming from an OT perspective. So as they learn to control their own movements, they will also learn how to create different shapes, which will eventually lead to creating letters, which is what we do. We first work on 
kids developmentally work on getting them to do the vertical line and the horizontal line. They're writing simple shapes, drawing simple shapes, drawing complex shapes, getting them to draw letters and, and then to write words and sentences and onwards and upwards from there. So we want them to be able to do all those things, the activities and shapes and materials and colors they can choose, letting them explore the options and pick those that they find the most enjoyable. They might find that, that, that wonderful hobby. They might find that wonderful career. They might be able to get those shapes, to get those letters, to get those words, to get them to be a writer. The more they scribble, the more they draw, the more involved in art, the faster they'll master everything they need in order to write clearly. Also, you can encourage scribbling by giving them colorful gel pens. Scribbling with such fun pens will make them want to do it all the time. In addition, art can inspire them to think critically. Art comes with endless possibilities and choices. Will their house have a red roof or black? Will they draw a dog or a cat? How will they draw the clouds and the birds? All these choices inspire kids to think critically, decide and evaluate their own decisions so they can repeat them or change them the next time. This way they will become more comfortable with thinking about different possibilities, more confident about making their choices. Plus it will also make them more likely to try different combinations and come up with their own ideas, which is an extremely useful skill at all ages. In addition, art helps kids socialize. Arts and crafts create a common ground for all kids who may have different interests or simply haven't met yet, because most of them will love creating things with their hands. There's something with having a product from your own hands. It's just, that's why as adults, people who are woodwork workers, people that like to work on their cars with their hands, or, or musicians, people like me who want to play guitar and, and music that comes out of the guitar, drawing, writing things, when something comes by as the product of your hand, it's fascinating. Even when you bake or cook, like when I cook or bake for Shabbos or making dinner, it's fascinating what Hashem allows us to make with our own hands. So when they use art and crafts, when they create things with their hands, it's wonderful to see what they and other kids have created. When it comes to creativity, it doesn't matter how old they are or what race they are, the only thing that matters is what they can make. And since children are naturally curious, they will gladly approach another child if they like what the kid has drawn or built with Lego blocks or colored. There are many benefits of arts and crafts for kids, from helping them socialize and express themselves to helping them develop other skills and think more critically. So if you want your child to have fun, and you want yourself to have fun and experience all these benefits, encourage them to take part in such activities. They are both fun and useful, and your kid will definitely enjoy exploring their own imagination. I think back to different Pesachs. When we went up for half of Pesach, we went up to the hotel with the, with the in-laws, and one of the days on Cholamoy, they had an art night, an art event. It actually was uh, ran, moderated by one of the, the people from my neighborhood, an artist in her own right. She writes books and... and, and depicts the books, illustrates the books, she would have us follow along, and it literally was us creating, a, making a painting, following along to her painting. She showed us how to draw the stuff. One time it was candlesticks, one time it was uh, something else, and it was really cool, and it, it became a, a date night. Another time for my wife's birthday, we made a couple of years ago, in the in the store over here by where we live, we made a, a paint-themed birthday party, again, following along to the artist from the store and we had pizza, we had sushi what a fantastic blast for kids and adults alike coloring and painting and sculpting is a really fun thing another time, often 
different times, not as often as would have been great due to time and whatnot. When we were dating, my wife and I went to a pottery making place, and you go, and it's a really nice date, even as a married couple, even with kids, especially with kids. A lot of birthday parties are done around here. There are different places that do that. Pottery making is cool also. Not even making the pottery, but decorating the pottery and coloring the pottery. Watching different virtual tours in Israel, we've seen different places that have pottery suitors where you can actually make the pottery and you can make different iron implements and the like, especially dating back to biblical times. Getting your hands involved with the art, with the craft, is a fascinating, wonderful thing to do. H.com points out with author Riva Pomerantz, Van Gogh painted flowers and wheat fields. Chagall painted goats and flying ethereal figures. Rabbi Yona Wine. Rib paints spirituality and expressions of godliness. He's a quiet, unassuming, and permeated with humility person. This wine rib has devoted his life to interpreting and portraying Torah through art. His works range from beautiful renditions of the Birkat Amazon, the grace after meals, to painstaking micro-calligraphy interpretations of Jewish passages and prayers. We actually have a micro-calligraphy that's in the face of Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, and I know growing up in our in our house, growing up, we had them. It's so fascinating to see how there could be pictures made out of tiny words, which could be aspects of the Torah or the Tanakh. And this person also has intricate, eye-opening illuminations of Jewish philosophy and tradition. His work illustrates how art and calligraphy contain much more than meets the eye. Art is a work of the soul, reflective of a deeper sense of where a person is coming from. Rabbi Weinreb explains in Jewish thought, Art is about the spiritual beauty and the essence it embodies. The, the external is only a way to exalt the inner spirit. And of course, beauty brings the viewer to a higher dimension, brings the viewer to a higher dimension. So art really can connect to spirituality, really taps into the spirit, really taps into the inside, especially from a Torah perspective. Mishpacha.com points out with Riva Pomerantz, the author, from Mishpacha.com slash the artist's perspective. In November 2016, a fire destroyed a studio in Moshav Beit Meir, 15 minutes outside of Yerushalayim, and with it, 1,500 original paintings, 1,200 works on paper, and numerous sculptures. Yoram Ra'anan's story is one of the Muna and the unique combination of what is born when passion and level-headedness coexist. About nine years ago, the author had the privilege of visiting Ra'anan's studio, which was alive with greenery, with animals, with nature. A true creative's dwelling in Israel, in and around Yerushalayim. The studio was flooded with light and layered with artwork, large canvases saturated with color and movement, as well as smaller pieces, moody and layered. The author was always a follower of his work, but seeing the process changed the experience for him. Yoram describes the desire to create as the need to express something that can't be put into words. His work has inspired an entire generation of artists, which he uses to propel himself to create unique color schemes and techniques. It's the indefinable combination of those factors that creates beautiful and mysterious experiences where he is constantly reinventing the wheel. Kishmo Kane Hu. Ranan means ever fresh. His name is like his experience, is like his essence as an artist, ever fresh, always reinventing. 
Creating a piece requires constant experimentation and boundary pushing, where revealing new perspectives through different iterations and movements often yields the most memorable pieces. He recalls one scenario where the Sheridan Plaza in Jerusalem has, had commissioned a painting which organically evolved into an abstract piece of eagle's wings. As guests ventured through the halls of the hotel, they would study the painting. Ultimately, the consensus was that it was too abstract for their taste. It was unquantifiable and hard to understand. Of course, hours of work had gone into the piece, and in Ranan's discouraged state, he splashed paint and water over it with abandon, turning the canvas every which way until horizontal became vertical. From the layers, a stately figure emerged and appeared, and then another facial image. Before it dried, he stood the canvas up and let the paint spill out. In, the de- in his definition of Heshtalas, Ranan describes someone who puts in all his effort and nothing works. Believe that Hashem will come from the sidelines and give you something you didn't even initially set a goal to achieve, he says. On an infamous day in November, Yoram and his wife watched from a hundred meters away as the fire with its insidious destruction rendered his art ash. Remarkably, unbelievably, even in that moment and the moments following, he looked to his wife and said, only good will come out of this because it's been Hashemayim. That's the whole idea of Gamzu Latova. Very difficult to say at the time when a person's life's work is going up in flames. Literally his whole studio, all his canvases, all his paintings, gone. He said to his wife, only good will come out of this because it's been Hashemayim. And we will rebuild. Art can be remade. And my family is okay. We can go forward b'simcha. That's a key lesson in life in general. Anything materialistic can be replaced. Anything materialistic can be renewed or can be given again. Art can be remade, but the family is okay. That's why I say all the time, money comes and goes, but true happiness, true memories, taking care of the family, making your wife and kids happy, that's what's really important. Because everything else is secondary. Everything else can be renewed, can be remade, can be replaced. Only the people can never be replaced. Four years later, he describes the property as being ten times more lush, having literally grown out of the devastation, with 2,000 working art pieces to show for it. Ranan, by definition, fresh, luxuriant, luxuriant, and so it is. How amazing and inspiring. We should look at the art and we should see the art around us and appreciate what Hashem has given into our lives. I think again about the virtual tours we take with One Israel Tour and Eve Harold, those wonderful tours, and also through David Sussman's website, the TV show, Land of the Bible. Fascinating, amazing things that we see. And you see how Hashem gave, the Gemara talks about, I believe, that Hashem gave nine keys of beauty, of art, to the world. One of them went to the rest of the world, which is fascinating because there are many beautiful aspects of the world, but nine went to the actual land of Israel. Nine keys of beauty, nine keys of art went to Israel, but only one key went to the rest of the world because the land of Israel is, is a microcosm of the whole world. You have every ecological system in one tiny country the size of New Jersey. You have snow in the north in Mount Hormon. You have the, the desert. You have the jungle. 
You have everything in and out between. You have communities and towns. You have gardens. You have forests. You have everything in Israel. It's fascinating to see. All in one tiny culture. The microcosm of the entire world. Appreciate what Hashem has and has given to us. You see that there is actual a bracha in the in the in the sitter when you see a certain thing or you see different people there are actual brachos to say especially when you see like a beautiful sunset or you see a beautiful mountain range you're supposed to thank Hashem for it and appreciate it you go on a, a beautiful trip you drive around wherever you live you drive around Long Island you drive around New York I remember when we went to New Hampshire Vermont really pretty places around America and especially around Israel especially around the world you should appreciate and see the art that Hashem designed into the world and we know that the, the, the whole universe is much bigger than just earth and understand the fundamentals that Hashem made a whole thing, not even for us to, to live on, just to see and appreciate the wonderful things around us. Look at the art around us. Appreciate the art around us. Look at and enjoy the art around us. It's reminiscent of when we talked about that famous violinist in the music lecture where nobody appreciated it. Nobody stopped to listen. The art, you have to stop and look and listen and feel it into your soul, into your very being, into your very essence. Chabad points out with writer Tuvia Bolton that once there was a great and wise king who loved roosters. He was so inspired by their majestic fierceness, their flashing colors, their every graceful move that he commissioned hundreds of artists to draw giant paintings of roosters to hang on the wall of his palatial throne room. But to his dismay, none of the portraits were to his liking. He invited greater artists, and then even greater ones, but was left unsatisfied. So he sent invitations to three of the greatest artists in the world, along with fine presents and promises of fame and fortune. Each would receive 50,000 gold pieces, in addition to a fine house with servants and all their needs for one year. And at the end of that time, the king would pay one million gold pieces for any picture that found favor in his eyes. The year passed swiftly, and word of the three pictures spread throughout the kingdom. The day of the unveiling of the pictures arrived. A massive stadium, built especially for the occasion at the king's orders, was packed with thousands of noisy people. On the stage were the three huge canvases, each covered with its own ornate curtain. The crowd fell silent as the first artist approached his canvas, hesitated a moment, took hold of the cord that opened the curtain, and turned to face the king. The king nodded, and the artist, without even turning around, triumphantly pulled the cord. A hum went up from the crowd. Mm. It was a masterpiece. The king rose from his royal seat, walked to the picture, examined it from near, examined it from afar, and announced... It is truly a work of genius, but it is not exactly what I want. The crowd was abuzz at the, as the king returned to his seat and motioned for the second artist to approach. The same scene repeated itself. Silence, tension, the victorious pull of the cord. This time when the painting was uncovered, shouts of bravo were heard, but the king Although he admitted that the picture was exquisite, was still not satisfied. Finally, the third artist approached and stood by his picture. Again, the king nodded. But the artist, before he pulled the cord, made a request. Your Majesty, 
I humbly ask that you make no judgment of my work until 15 minutes after it is unveiled. An unusual request, but the king nodded in agreement. The artist pulled the cord and revealed, the crowd gasped, an empty canvas. What is the meaning of this? shouted the king. But remembering his promise, he fell silent. The artist, meanwhile, had paid no attention to the king's outburst. He was concentrating on the empty canvas before him, palette in one hand and brush in the other. Suddenly he began to paint. The colors flowed from his very being. The lines danced, changing like fire, like a rushing river, like a field of wheat, like the eyes of a child, of a king. And then, after ten minutes, the picture was finished and the artist turned to face the king. Everyone was so silent you could hear only the wind. Like we say nowadays, you can hear a pin drop. Everyone was frozen as though hypnotized. Then someone broke the spell and became clap, began clapping. Then another and another until the crowd was like thunder on their feet, whistling, clapping, and shouting, Bravo! Bravo! The king rose from his seat with open arms, walked to the artist, and embraced him with tears in his eyes. This is what I have been seeking. This is what I have been seeking. The other two artists raised his arms in victory and were weeping with emotion. Sometimes we need to just paint. We need to just be involved from the heart. Sometimes we need to have the heart of art. Sometimes we need to just take an empty canvas and fill it with wonder, with beauty, with color, and with paint. Our own lives can be that canvas. We should do what we can to splash the color of life onto the painting with our life brushes through doing mitzvahs and chesed and with being involved in Torah and Torah learning. There are so many museums out there, so many artist galleries and so many places to see art, to appreciate art. Even when our kids were much littler than they are now, when we went to Montreal one summer for a trip, I remember my wife and I schlepping around our two little ones at the time before the, the little, little sponge came around. And we went to the, to the museum. People probably looked at us like we were crazy. What are you doing moving around with a double stroller with these little kids? They can't appreciate art. No, maybe not, but we can. And we could bring them, and we could bring them to different places. There was a whole artist uh, row, basically, over there in Montreal, a whole avenue. And we went to a couple of the museums. And many times... My wife and I went to different museums too growing up also, even at Liberty Science Center I remember going as a kid, and different places, different galleries, different museums, you could appreciate the art. But not just appreciating the art, the physical art, understanding the spiritual art, the art of the world, the art that Hashem put into the world, and filling our own lives with our own art, whatever we can contribute. Make sure to fill that empty canvas the soul starts as an empty canvas. You know, even the philosophers, the non-Jewish philosophers, philosophers talked about how the soul, the life, the person is a tabla russo, a blank slate. Experiences and errors and, and accomplishments fill that blank slate with color. Fill it with wonder. Fill it with the paint of life. Make sure to do so. To splash that paint, the right paint on your canvas, your soul, your existence with doing mitzvahs, and the chesed, being involved in Torah 
and in the Torah learning. Chabad.org points out with author Sarah Trapper Spielman, as far back as Esther Pan Zybel can remember, she's always been drawing. Although the artist, now in her 50s, grew up in the vibrant art world of France, she decided not to attend art school in order to keep something very fresh in her painting, she says. It's like someone not going to cook in culinary school on purpose to keep the freshness of their own ingredients without being told how to make something. But she chose not to go to the school. Zybel instead found strength in paving her own path when it comes to her artwork. She admits that attending art school might have taught her valuable techniques, but she always preferred a personal, albeit more difficult, approach. In fact, it is her life and its surroundings, including the presence of fellow artists and Hasidic neighbors, that continue to inspire and influence her work. When she became an Orthodox Jew almost 30 years ago, she turned to Jewish and Hasidic life as inspiration for her art. She focused first on universal biblical themes, such as the creation of the world. When Zabel became a follower of Chabad Lubavitch two years later, she says, she turned to portraying everyday Jewish life as is and to feel the soul behind it, not just plain reality. When you become religious, you have to find yourself again, she says in reflection. You find out you can really be yourself. You don't have to paint a certain way. She soon discovered that imagination and creativity can be consistent with religious life. Becoming religious made me realize how God is behind everything. God guides my hand in art, she continues. I always, got, I always ask God when I begin a painting that it should help someone do tshuva or enjoy Jewish life some more. How wonderful to think that way with artistry and art and painting and the like in general. We must realize that Hashem is the one behind you, pushing you to reel the paint onto the picture that is your life. Find the inspiration to unleash your art and to unleash your potential. And know that art can be done by anyone at any time, at any age, and with any ability especially those that have special abilities, those that have special needs. Listen to this from Chabad.org from 2015 with author Renel Greer. Their space may be limited for now, but their creativity knows no bounds. While construction is underway for the 18,000-square-foot Farber Soul Center, a group of talented artists with special needs are using a nearby temporary space to showcase their skills in a preview of what's to come. The Farber Soul Center, named for William Bill and Audrey Farber of West Bloomfield, Michigan, whose $2.4 million matching gift made the project possible, will include an art studio, gallery, and kosher cafe. There, young adults with special needs, otherwise known as special abilities, will learn vocational skills, develop their creativity, and share their newfound talents with the greater community. The Soul Center mini pilot program was launched in the spring of 2015 in a temporary studio housed in Walled Lake, or Walled Lake, Michigan, a few miles from the center's permanent location in West Bloomfield. In a space designed by the program's art director, Brian Cavanaugh, eight young adult artists meet twice a week to work on projects with the help of facilitating artists and volunteers. They spend the first few sessions trying out different mediums such as weaving, printmaking, painting, laser cutting, and graphic design to determine which ones felt most comfortable for the artists. 
Aislinn Wenjo, 22, who has autism and is nonverbal, discovered an aptitude for abstract painting. Several of her creations adorn the walls of the studio lobby. The whole creative process is making her generally more confident, says her mother, Tali Wendra. She's really coming into her own. There's respect for who she is as an artist. Facilitating artist Carolyn Morris is struck most of all by the sense of community that developed among the artists. The people who are weaving are talking to the people who are making clay, inspiring joint projects and togetherness, notes Morris, a weaver and fiber artist whose colorful woven mezuzahs have become popular gift items. Morris's son, Sam, 22, who has autism, enjoys spending time at the Soul Center Mini, both as an artist and a volunteer. He explains that I like the people, I like helping others be creative. He prefers to paint pictures and operate the laser cutter, a machine that can produce specialty etchings on a variety of materials including metal, leather, wood, acrylic, plastic, paper, and cardboard, as well as soaps and candles. An exciting new focus has been creating items for the local bar and bar mitzvah market, including centerpieces, custom giveaways, decorations, gifts, and accessories. Offerings include a vast array of professionally designed items such as silk screen t-shirts and sweatsuits, sign and boards, mugs, flashlights, carabiniers, jewelry, headphones, and other products in a wide range of colors, styles, and materials. Custom logos can be designed to complement any theme, or existing artwork can be incorporated into distinctive items like leather bracelets or other personalized gifts. The possibilities are really endless. Explains Soul Center merchandiser Jordan Schiffman, a former Friendship Circle teen volunteer with a background in fashion merchandising. The community will be able to purchase custom gifts for the bar and bot missiles, all while giving adults with special needs vocational skill training, which I believe is fascinating and wonderful. Family gift items are also available, such as personalized kiddush cups, cutting boards, Shabbat candlesticks, candles, and even an engraved plexiglass menorah. The products offered for sale are competitively priced with the earnings going to the artists and the program. It gives the individual artists the opportunity to earn money for their work, which helps them feel valuable and productive, explains Basi Shemto, who with her husband Rabbi Levi Shemto founded Friendship Circle of Michigan 20 years ago. At a recent volunteer event, 21-year-old Jordan Winfield proudly handed out keychains he engraved with the laser cutter at the Soul Center Mini. The people are great and I've learned a lot, says Jordan. His mother Nancy says the program has helped Jordan become more responsible while providing an environment where he feels socially accepted. According to the Shamtos, the idea for the Soul Center came about when they realized the needs had changed significantly for those kids, quote-unquote, who began participating with the organization in 1995. The former children were now young adults who needed more vocationally-oriented programs. Motivated by a belief in the power of art as a means of unleashing creativity, Basi Shamtov began to research and visit art studio programs across the country. She discovered places where artists with special needs were successfully creating, displaying, and selling their works. I always knew teens and young adults were amazing, especially with special needs, but I was totally blown away by what I saw, she says. No one dreamt that some of these people were artistic until they were given the opportunity. The center will have cutting-edge digital arts like photography, animation, and 3D printing, in addition to traditional such as painting, ceramics, weaving, jewelry, and mixed media. It's not arts and crafts, the rabbi explains, but art that people will buy and display in their homes and offices. The center is being designed by an architecture firm, Newman Smith, and it will have a cafe, the Soul Cafe, which will begin with a limited menu and expand services the program goals, and it grows, and it will provide training and employment for adults with special needs and interested in culinary arts and food service. 
The Shem Tov's Fresid is a gathering spot where members of the community can enjoy good food in a unique environment. A place where you bring your soul and your soul will be touched, the rabbi explains. The Farber's son David and his wife Nancy, longtime Friendship Circle supporters, look forward to the opportunities that it could bring. It's a natural extension of what Friendship Circle already does, she explains. It's a non-profit Friendship Circle that utilizes a large core of dedicated volunteers with devoted staff members to give programs, classes, camps, and the like for children with special needs and their families. Many districts also involved in the educational programs in the village, and many people have been involved in the project with much opportunity for sponsorship involved. A wonderful, wonderful idea. Reminds you of the idea when, when I worked in mental health, one of the key programs, the key groups every day, if you will, in mental health, often there are groups for the members, was art. And there was different types of art. There was drawing. There was stained glass painting. There were so many different things. And I think to, to when I worked in Camp Hask and when I worked in Yachan and when I worked with kids in general that have different needs in, in the Board of Ed, art is really a wonderful medium, a really fantastic way to unleash creativity, a really amazing way to allow creativity to flow, especially for those who have special needs. I love when there's vocational training for those who have special abilities for special needs. I think of Yachad Gifts, which unfortunately closed, according to my friend, a wonderful program which used to do exactly the same idea, empowering those with special needs while contributing to society around them. They're making gift baskets and the like for different occasions, allowing them to be involved in making the baskets and selling the baskets. I also think about one of the restaurants in Brooklyn where one of the servers, the, the one who makes drinks, has special needs, has special abilities, and is fully ingrained into the restaurant. It's wonderful to allow their creativity to grow, to allow them to express themselves. If they have a knack for making drinks, they have a knack for cooking, they have a knack for art, they have a knack for creativity in any way, let them do so, especially those with, with special needs, especially those with any type of needs, especially any person that has any creativity flowing within him needs to allow it to come to fore. Making the ability of an art to come to street, to come to life, is a wonderful thing. Chabad.org also points out the power of pop art on streets and walls, not graffiti, but real art, from author Yoni Brown from 2019. Amid the bustle of Jerusalem's iconic first station, new flashes of color adorn the walls of the historic railroad station, now an outdoor mall. Three Shabbat candles shine brightly from a pop art mural, spreading their glow on a colorful backdrop. Street art is a very contemporary medium, but the message of the piece is timeless. The piece is called Spread Your Light to the Street, and its creator, New Jersey-based rabbi and artist Yitzchak Moli, sees it as an expression of the Baal Shem Tov's call to spread the wellsprings of Hasidus outward. It's literally bringing the message of Hasidus to the streets in Moli. Molly's work is featured along with that of eight other international artists in the Jewish Street Art Festival, which is part of the 4th Jerusalem Biennial, with an art exhibition held once every two years. This time around, in 2019, the Biennial is showing the works of more than 200 artists from 15 countries. The idea behind the festival is to highlight street artists who feature Jewish themes or content in their work. Hillel Smith, street artist and lead curator of the festival, explains to Chabad.org, Street art provides an opportunity to put art in front of people when they aren't expecting it. As a result, it has the power to engage with people directly, to present them with ideas and initiate a conversation with them. The public reception has been fantastic, said Smith. People were, were taking selfies with our murals before they were finished. It's rewarding to see the work being embraced so quickly. 
Molly, known as the Pop Art Rabbi, did another piece of street art for the festival. This one located just outside the old city in the artist colony building. They had these seven covers over air conditioning units, and they asked the artists to do a series of paintings on them. The theme, Seven Days of Creation, made sense. I was asked to do Shabbat, explained the artist. Certainly Shabbos is all about spreading light. We usher in Shabbos actually by creating light, not creating, but lighting candles, basically. Bringing in the Shabbat candles is what brings in Shabbos. Nothing quite captures the sentiment better than Shabbos candles. In the wake of the synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh in 2018, Molly was searching for a way to artistically demonstrate the victory of light over darkness. He painted one piece specifically dedicated to the Pittsburgh victims on the theme, but as Hanukkah rolled around, he felt he wanted to do more. I wrapped my family's RV in black vinyl, added the words hashtag light over darkness, and printed a menorah right at the bottom, described the artist. Armed with a hundred plus bright markers, we drove through New York and New Jersey, visiting schools and places where menorah lightings were being held. We'd ask people to commit to doing the mitzvah and write it on the wall. The act of writing it on the wall brings light in addition to the light of the mitzvah itself. The biennial, or the biennial, asked if he could do something similar in Jerusalem. He settled on a design for interactive installation that explored the theme of light over darkness, as well as the theme of this year of that year's biennial, L'Shem Shemayim, for the sake of heaven. Built during the holiday of Sukkot as a sukkah, the aim is to encourage passerby to complete the structure with their light. Constructive of a reflective plexiglass exterior and completely white interior, the reflective nature of the exterior draws observers into the space. To me, the sukkah is an interface between heaven and earth, he said. The walls of the structure are a black canvas. He encouraged people to complete the space by doing a mitzvah, committing to doing one, then place a sticker depicting a flame anywhere on the wall. As the walls are filled, the internal, the internal space becomes a visual representation of mitzvahs changing the world. The goal is to make people think about the spiritual effect of their physical actions, how even the smallest positive step elevates one's surroundings. What a great way to bring art out into the streets and write to people, especially to inspire them. I even think about art when I took art in high school, and I had no idea what I was doing. But it was a wonderful way to feel creative, to be able to express ourselves on the paper, whatever we can do in any aspect to bring art. Chabad also points out from 2013, from, from author Menachem Posner, how an office or a center can be transformed by art, even a Chabad house or a Chabad center. Nestled among the boutique bars and bookstores of the trendy Mocklin Village section of Montreal, Chabad of NDG has become the go-to place for Jewish art. According to Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, who directs the center there, the Chabad Center, as surprising as it may seem, until the year before, Monklin Village didn't have one art gallery. In early 2012, Chabad opened the Monklin Art Gallery with the first rotating exhibit featuring Montreal artist Jamie Shear. Every month, the gallery features the work of another Jewish Montrealer, showcasing an eclectic mix of paintings and photographs by both aspiring artists and established painters. It is no coincidence that we saw a lot of museums in Montreal, and this one is here in Montreal as well. Hashkacha. Hashem wants there to be a lot of art in general, especially there. Located in the all-purpose area of the Chabad Center, the gallery adds an artsy feel to the Chabad Center. Joe Pleat, a 33-year-old who frequents Chabad of NGG, says it's nice to have paintings on the walls. There are some really nice ones, but the rabbi is so joyful and inspiring that nothing can distract us from the services and classes he leads. Bernath, who serves as curator, explains the art gallery takes the edge off some preconceived notions. Some people come with their stereotype of stuff, the formal synagogue attendance. Having a gallery here allows them to see Judaism in another light. He adds that every new exhibit starts with a vernissage, or vernissage, or preview of an art exhibition featuring wine, cheese, and the chance to interact with the displaying artist. 
there are people who came through the doors for the very first time at a vernissage, vernissage, says Burnett. Artist Chaim Scherf, whose exhibit included a black and white series as well as a klezmer scene created using a spatula technique, says his gallery preview proved refreshingly different from the norm. It was very special. There's a lot of interest from young couples and singles, explains Scherf. I have displayed in dozens of museums, galleries, and fundraisers, but the crowd was different here. Instead of middle-aged couples looking for something to complete a collection or decorate their home, there were young people looking to connect to the art itself. I love that they connected to the images of tradition. Scherf, who's a Hasidic Jew, says the gallery fit well with his raison d'etre, his reason for being, using his artistic gift to connect people to their Jewish roots, which is fantastic. In fact... The Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson of Righteous Memory, told him many years ago art would be his life purpose, serving as a living example of Judaism. In 1977, the rabbi wrote to the chairman of a Hasidic art exhibit in Michigan, the Lubavitcher Rabbi, that those who have been divinely gifted in art, whether sculpture or painting or the like, have the privilege of being able to convert an inanimate thing, such as a brush, paint and canvas, or wood and stone, into living form. In a deeper sense, it is the ability to transform a certain extent the material into spiritual. This is apparent in that exhibit, which features photos that Bernath shot on a recent trip to Israel, which is called My Land, a photo journal of the land of Israel. Each photograph and caption seeks to connect viewers to another aspect of the Holy Land. For example, Dear God is a close-up of notes stuffed into a crevice in the Kotel, the Western Wall. The caption explains how Jews who pray at the wall customarily leave notes with their prayers and wishes and cracks in the ancient stone wall built by King Herod more than 2,000 years ago as a support for the Temple Mount. The notes depicted were written by Jews from Montreal and inserted into the wall by Bernath. I never thought of myself as an artist, said the rabbi. I seemed surprised by the high volume of interest in sales his display has generated. I just took pictures with a regular camera using 35mm film. Nothing was touched up or changed. Using old-fashioned film adds a special flavor that digital doesn't capture. People look at the photos, they're shocked. They say, you did this? I never knew you were an artist. And I reply, neither did I. Art is a truly powerful thing, especially when coming from the heart within core Torah values. Even Shtisel, the amazingly popular show about Hasidic life on Netflix, showcases the main star, the main character, Kivi, or Kiva Shtisel, as an artist, a tsayar, which is somewhat controversial in his circles. He goes back and forth about his talent, talent, ultimately embracing it as his passion and calling. In talking about Shtisel, H.com points out with author Ruchi Kovil, Hey, the voicemail played. Please call me back. A fellow Shtisel watcher is insisting that ultra-Orthodox people don't say I love you to their spouses. She's wrong, right? Okay, call me back right now. This is the phenomenon known as Shtisel, the viral show on Netflix about an Israeli ultra-Orthodox family that has gripped the attention of, well, everyone. Educators like the author are tickled pink. For the first time, fellow Jews are, pursue, are pursuing us with curiosity-driven Netflix-fueled questions about Jews' observance, Judaism, Israel, and more. The Jewish themes emerging from the Shtisel phenomenon are many. While the show is meticulously researched and executed, it's not perfect, of course. One of the themes that cuts through the seasons is the role of art and music in the family. Kivi is an artist. His brother has a beautiful voice, a singer. His sister plays the, 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 a different instrument. I forget what it's called at the moment. And more broadly in the ultra-Orthodox world, the viewer senses the tension between these two poles and one can almost feel the turmoil. The ultra-religious young adult breaks away from religious constraints to pursue artistic dreams. Typically, screenplay written by just one such character. But the truth in the show are not that simple and not that lazy. In truth, the Jewish answer to that question may not be the same as the cultural answer to that question. 
That's universal interest with shtisel. Where do the cultural and the religious truths converge and diverge? The shtisels are deliberate not any specific sect of Judaism. They're not Hasidic. They live in the Gula neighborhood in Yerushalayim. They're anti-Chabad, anti-Zionist. But what are they? We don't know. Many other ultra-religious Orthodox groups would embrace artists, like the Breslov group, depicted by Akiva's spiritual-seeking friends, or even the Chabadniks so hatefully rejected by his father. Art itself as a Jewish form is celebrated, and as Levi tells Akiva, who ends up marrying him, and then season three you'll see what happens, God-given talent must be used. In fact, King David himself wrote in the book of Tehillim in Psalms 35, all my limbs will say, God who is like you. Whatever talents or gifts you have, you must use them to glorify God. Whether that means to make an honest living, bring joy to others, glorify, glorify themes of truth and beauty. The climax of the art conflict comes at the very end when Akiva finally does use his considerable talent to paint his best painting ever of a woman vaguely linked to his own mother figure sitting with a, with a baby. The painting is excellent. It's a tribute to his long emerging grief over his mother's passing and a statement of his mother's support of his art. But to use your talents for God, which has strains in different aspects of the show and of course in life, is a must. Everyone agrees on that. Art comes in many forms and many ways. Whatever art you can make, whatever art you can produce, whatever art you can bring out, you must do so. To not do so would be an ultimate waste. Make the world more colorful. Make the world more bright. Paint that canvas with whatever you can bring and contribute. The world would be better overall for doing so. But keeping in mind that it comes with a caveat, that we're not supposed to draw or, or make or quote-unquote create, only Hashem really creates, different things. There's a source where there's controversy on what a person can make or do, and that comes from Exodus Shemos 24, Chaf, Dalad, you shall not make for yourself a sculptured image or any likeness of what is in the heavens above or the earth below or in the waters under the earth. It's a source against making little representation of cer- certain things. And the Sefer HaChemich points out we're not allowed to make statues that we worship. Obviously, talking about Avodah are only Hashem do we worship. Even if the one that makes them doesn't worship them, the making is forbidden. We don't want there to be a stumbling block. We don't want them to be involved in that. You have to make sure no statue or anything like that. The Rambam also talks about you can't make certain things, especially 3D. The Ramban explains that there's no prohibition here except for not making idols with the intention of, of worshiping them. We have to watch out for idols or anything that can be seen in that. Anything that can be... Can, that can be perceived as anything bad of worship or the like, you have to avoid because we don't want to fall prey to any aspect of turning to idols, God forbid, or making, God forbid, anything like that. We have to understand what to make. And the Gemara points out in Avodah Zarah, they go on a whole discussion, and I included the sources here on the source sheet. We'll put it up on shearenjoyment.com. But in general, the Gemara talks about Hamar says, the Master says, figures of constellations are permitted but not the sun and the moon. It's talking about someone who forms these figures. We're not supposed to make 3D images of things. Of course, talking about the Pasuk, you can't make gods of silver or gods of gold. You can't make depictions. You can't make any idols. You have to be careful with what you you draw. The Gemara goes on to talk about vessels. If it has a figure of a sun or a moon or a dragon, that you're supposed to cast them into the sea. Figures of faces are permitted, except be careful in terms of different aspects of the human face they talk about. And the Gemara goes on to talk about different different things of different aspects of what are made because we have to watch out about what we're making, especially 3D or not, especially if it could be construed as anything, God forbid, bad, if it could be perceived as anything, God forbid, because we have to watch out for that Pusik and the other Pusik pointed out. And the Gemara talks about how 
watch out for the different things you make and the, and the different things you, you create, quote-unquote, with your hands. Because we want to only serve Hashem. We don't want to have any Maris Ein. We don't want to have any perception that could be banned. And... Abai explains the Torah prohibits only the figures of those attendants that one can possibly reproduce something that is truly in their likeness. And talking about not even making the uh, uh, an exact replica of the temple or the temple courtyard or the temple, the, the temple instruments or implements or utensils. That's why there's some controversy over the, 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 the beautiful menorah that's in Yerushalayim. Some people say you're not supposed to make it in, in advance. You're not supposed to try to fashion it. It says that, that you can make a candelabrum if it doesn't have the exact same branches as the one that the Temple had. The Gemara talks about it could be five or six or eight branches like we have the menorah. Ever wonder why the menorah is eight? Besides for the fact that it's eight days, we don't want to reproduce the menorah in the, in the, in the Temple which had seven. So we can't make it of the seven lamps the Gemara talks about. Don't make it in wood either. Different talks about in the Gemara, the Torah prohibits fashioning the figures of the tenants that are in the upper heaven that it could lead, God forbid, to... To, to worshiping anything but Hashem, which was a, a big problem throughout our Jewish history. Learn in order what you can paint, what you can make. We're not saying not to, but it's always careful to make sure what exactly you're allowed to. And that's the point to remember. Be careful with what you draw, with what you paint, with what you make, or what you do. Make sure it's L'Shem Shemaim and for Hashem only, to bring glory to the world, and that you make permitted things in permitted ways. The Mechaber talks about in the Shulchan Aruch and Yoridea, all the images of star worshippers found in the villages are forbidden, since apparently they're make as idols. Rabbi Nebachit points out in Shemos, you must not construct something which could become an idol. You must watch out, not prostrate yourself to an idol, God forbid. Don't be involved in any phenomenon or any faith or any aspect of danger of, of idolatry. We have to make sure that if there's any painting or creating involved, to avoid sin at all costs. The question becomes, how do we have the Kruvim? Because they were a 3D image. And Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar talks about it, how... It was made L'shem Shemayim, and, and it could have been the child face, and it could be that it was built in different ways, that it's not supposed to represent an angel or anything like that. But that's for another time. And we have to understand not to make images of angels or the seraphim or the ofanim and, and different things, and only make good things that are that are accurate and don't fall prey and don't lead us on a different path that than would be allowed. And not to make 3D reproductions of things not accurate 3D reproductions of things, and not demons or anything like that, Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar points out also. We want to make sure to do things with Hashem Shemaim. We want to make sure to do things that are Kiddush Hashem, to be Mikad Hashem Shemaim, and not, God forbid, leave, lead people astray. Another point to remember, paint things or make things that will inspire others, that will uplift others with good messages, with good Torah values, and with good ideals. The Gemara points out in Brachos that laborers enjoyed in their work may recite the Shema while they're standing on top of the tree or while in the course of the stones, which they can't do in the immediate prayer, which requires intent of the heart. Because the person who's working, the person who's creating, quote-unquote, with his skills and what Hashem gives them is very focused and very concentrated. And, the, and we talk about in Shemos how the famous, famous architect, if you will, of the Mishkan was Betzalel. Betzalel was only 13 years old, and he had the help of Oliav, who probably also was very young. But they were given divine skill, divine ability, divine knowledge in every kind of craft. They were an artist. They had designs for gold, silver, and copper. And they basically told Moshe, you know, we're going to build the Mishkan and then put the stuff in. He had thought to, to put the stuff in and then build Mishkan around it, I think. But they said, no, let's do it the opposite. You make a house and then you furnish the house. You don't furnish and then make the house. And Moshe said, yes, you're right. I didn't know that. See... Moshe talks about how Hashem sealed out Betzalel and Oholiyav and how he was, in, he was endowed with the skill, the ability, and the knowledge. 
And the Gemara Bracha points out what we just talked about a second ago, but Saul was called by that name because Hashem said to Moshe, go make the tabernacle, go make an ark and vessels. Moshe went, reversed the order, told Saul, make the ark, make the vessels, make the tabernacle, but he responded, the Gemara Bracha points out, no, first you build the house and then place the vessels in it. And that's another point. Use your talents for good. And for others, especially in arts or crafts, especially to help inspire others. And the Gemara in Baba Basra points out that Rava talks about how there are different diners and a cloak that is in the possession of a craftsman is incumbent upon the owner to bring proof that the fee was one diner. Because when a person is involved in the craft, he needs his crafts, he needs his abilities, he needs his different capabilities to be able to be fully immersed in the craft. The Gemara Sachem points out that there are different crafts, three crafts especially, that they could perform until labor, until midday on, on Passover. And that's tailors, barbers, and launders. Their work is needed for the festival. And that's a point also. Make sure you're involved in necessary and functional art and work to help contribute to the world in a good and positive way. Gemara Brachos also points out in 43, what does it mean when it says he has made everything beautiful in its time? He placed the world in their hearts, yet so man cannot... Find the work Hashem has done from the beginning to end. It teaches that each and every individual, God has made his work pleasant for him in his own eyes. In that way, each individual will be satisfied with his work, will be happy with his work, enabling the world to function properly. And that's another point. Be proud of what you make, what you create thanks to Hashem, and what you contribute to the world, whether in painting, crafting, writing, music, or anything in that manner. The Mishnah Torah points out from the Rambam in sales, a craftsman in a specific profession may establish provisions and agree that one should not work on the day in which another is working or the like, that anyone who violates these guidelines will be punished in such a fashion. And the Gemara in Shabbos points out 133, what does it mean this is Hashem, I'll glorify him? Tonder Bryce said, this is my God, I'll glorify him. The Lord of my Father, I'll raise him up. The sages interpret it to mean... Noi, beauty, interpreting the verse, beautify yourself before Hashem in mitzvahs. Even if one fulfills the mitzvah by performing it simply, it's nonetheless proper to perform the mitzvah as beautifully as possible. Meaning, the point is, make things for Hashem and the world as beautiful as possible, especially within art, through drawing and painting. The Gemara points out in Eruch, and the sages taught in the Bryce that there was a flute in the temple, it was smooth, it was thin, its sides were thin, it was made from reed. It was in existence from the days of Moshe. The king issued a, demand, a, a command, they plated it with gold, but then its sound wasn't as pleasant as it was before. They therefore removed its plating, and the sound was then as pleasant as it was before. Similarly, there was a symbol in the temple. Sometimes grander is not good. Sometimes simpler is better. Sometimes it's better to have a low-quality thing versus a high-quality thing. It might have a more beautiful sound, a more beautiful appearance, a more beautiful result. The Gemara Sukkah points out in 51, one who did not see the great synagogue of Alexandria in Egypt, Rabbi Huda says, never saw the glory of Israel. Its structure was like a large basilica, colonnade within a colonnade. There were 600,000 men, another 600,000 men in it, twice the number of those who left Egypt, and there were 70 golden chairs corresponding to the 70 members of the, of the great Sanhedrin. And lastly, the Gemara in Yuma points out 38, the sages told Nebrais that the craftsmen of the house of Garmu, we talked about this on the DDD and the other show, were expert in the preparation of the showbread. They didn't want to teach others the secret of its production. The sages dismissed them and sent for and brought craftsmen from Alexandria and Egypt, a large city with many experts. Those craftsmen knew how to bake like the members of the Garmu, but they didn't know how to remove the bread from the oven like they did. The point being, you have to use your talents. You have to give over your talents. Use your talents for the good, especially in crafts, especially in artistry, in whatever way you can. And that's the point. Enjoy and appreciate the beautiful things Hashem made for this world and brought to this world, especially through the laborers and artists. 
So remember, be careful with what you draw or what you paint or what you make or what you do. Make sure it's L'shem Shemayim and for Hashem to bring glory to the world and that you make permitted things in permitted ways. Make sure to paint things or make things that will inspire others and uplift others with good messages, with Torah values and ideals. Make sure to use your talents for goods and for others, especially in arts and crafts, especially to help inspire others. Make sure you're involved in this necessary and functional art and work to help contribute to the world in a good and positive way. Be proud of what you make, what you create, thanks to Hashem, what you contribute to the world, whether in painting, crafting, writing, music, or the like. Enjoy and appreciate the beautiful things Hashem made for this world and brought to this world, especially through the laborers and artists. Remember, understand there were ten keys given to the world in terms of beauty. Nine of them went to Israel. Nine of them were given to Israel. The rest of the world only got one. If we can't make it to Israel, we can't tour Israel, at least see it online, understand, appreciate, and and be thankful to Hashem for that. But understand that art is around us. Art is in our life. Make sure to use the art, to bring the art. Make sure to be involved in the art. Make sure to bring it to your life. Make sure it's part of your life. Make sure it's a fundamental aspect of your life. We want to make sure to paint the canvas in our life. We want to make sure that it is functionally in our life. We need to take the empty canvas that is our life. Fill it with wonder. Fill it with beauty. Fill it with color. Fill it with paint. Our lives are that canvas. We should do what we can to splash the color of life onto the painting bringing our artistry, bringing whatever creativity we have with our paintbrushes, our life brushes, taking that tabla rusa, that empty slate as the philosophers say, bringing mitzvahs and chesed and splashing it with only good things of vibrant painting in all of our lives. Join us next time, God willing, in two weeks on the lecture series with Reb T, where we talk a topic per session with some practical lessons. And I am your host, Reb T.